Chapter 16 Harvest Axe Clutching the garden hoe, Cam locks his eyes onto the base of the hound's frontmost tentacle, the one with the blade. If the first hound doesn't go down quickly, Cam will be forced to fight both of them at once. That can't happen. With this first attack then, there's no room for error. When the hound's lead tentacle is just inches away, Cam swings the garden hoe downward, putting all of his strength behind the blow. The hound tries to block an attack at the same time, lunging forward with several tentacles to grab Cam's weapon. But it's too slow. The garden hoe sinks into the monster's bladed tentacle, sending a spray of purple liquid in all directions. A large blob of it sticks to Cam's face, and he goes blind. Cam hears the monster slump to the ground, but he barely registers it over the shrill voice in his head yelling, Open your eyes! While scrambling to wipe away the goop with one hand, he thrusts and shakes the garden hoe with the other, a caveman with a spear. For a few awful seconds, Cam is in total darkness, cringing in anticipation of the second hound's blade. Would it slash him or stab him? Which would be worse? But then light comes back into the world, and Cam squints, searching for the hound through murky slits of vision. When Cam finds the hound, he feels a small wave of relief. It's not yet close enough to attack. If the blindness had lasted just a moment longer, Cam would have been getting knifed right now. Instead, he has the time he needs to set up another good chop with his garden hoe. He attacks the charging hound. And he misses. Cam must have misjudged the distance. The garden hoe whizzes by the hound without so much as scraping it. A desperate hop backwards saves Cam from getting caught by the hound's tentacles. But now the beast is pouncing again, propelling itself with uncountable limbs and leading with just as many. Cam swings the garden hoe in a random direction, a last-ditch effort to cross his weapon's trajectory with his attackers. The garden hoe finds its victim, and Cam is pushed to the ground by the impact. With the weapon protruding from the center of its body, the hound squeals and writhes, but no ink comes out. Soon, both monsters are dead, and all is quiet. The sounds of rushing water and wind through trees fade back into existence. Okay, this has to be a dream. Cam thinks. It is a dream. I just need to demonstrate that. Dreams don't have details. I'll look for details, and if I don't find any, that's how I'll know it's a dream. Hands shaking, Cam inspects the hound that fell first. The entire body is dripping with black ink, and Cam's fingers and palms soon become soaked with the stuff. It leaves his skin feeling dry, and he's reminded of the film that's left behind after handling wet clay. The blade on the tip of the central tentacle is even tougher and sharper than Cam had expected. It's about half a foot long. The tentacle itself is several inches thick, and it has been cut about two-thirds of the way through. Through the cut, Cam notices a hollow section, like an esophagus. It contains the ink sac that Cam tore and was blinded by. This perplexes Cam. He can understand the death of the second hound. That makes some sense given that the garden hoe is deep in an area that Cam would expect to contain lungs and a heart. But the first hound was only hit in the base of its tentacle. Would wolves have fallen so easily? Cam wonders. Did I get really, really lucky just now? 
Another confusing feature, no visible orifices. Although he can't say for certain whether that's damning evidence that this isn't reality, Cam is pretty sure that it's rare for animals of this size. Despite these questions, it's hard to deny that these hounds are much too intricate to have been dreamed up. No imagination could build this beast, at least not Cam's. And now that he has time to think, Cam considers non-dream explanations for the existence of these amphibians. Maybe a species I've never heard of? There's an octopus that can mimic tires, a lizard that squirts blood from its eye. Maybe I just don't watch enough Animal Planet? Either way, it's a good thing I didn't try to high-five them. Working as he ponders, Cam takes certain pieces of the hound, the bladed tentacle, one big normal tentacle, and the torn ink sac. Part of him still hopes that doing this will push his imagination to its breaking point, waking him up, or at least proving that this is a dream. But another part is terrified that it isn't. And in that case, I need to think about food. Would this be calamari? Or is that squid, not octopus? Or dog octopus? Removing the tentacles takes little precision. Cam cleaves through each one with the end of his garden hoe. That is, after he unwedges <clears throat> the tool from the second hound's torso. The ink sac tears further as it is liberated. Cam turns to the second corpse. This one's bladed tentacle is intact, and Cam gently feels for the ink sac inside. He finds one spot on the tentacle that does not collapse when squeezed. It offers resistance, like boba inside a straw. Judging this to be the ink sac, Cam thinks about how to remove it safely. The garden hose is going to rip right through it. I can't aim that thing. The bladed tentacle, maybe, but... Pocket knife? He usually carries a small one. Could his kidnappers have missed it? Cam searches his clothes. He's wearing a white button-down shirt, black pants, and a leather belt. Looking down at his torso triggers some kind of smooth muscle reflex, and Cam feels his empty stomach complain. At least food doesn't look like it's going to be a problem. Water, on the other hand. A sudden, distressing realization. If hounds guard the water in this place, he may have to kill one or more of them whenever he wants to take a drink. In other words, he'll have to do exactly what he just did. Which means that right now is my chance. It's a waste if I don't. Cam thinks reluctantly. Part of him would rather die of thirst than risk it, but the responsible part won't let him do much more than procrastinate. All right, I'll finish up here and then check the water. Turning back to his self-examination, Cam tries to wipe away some of the black ink on his shirt. He only succeeds in smearing the stain, but he notices that each globule has a purple-colored center. Curious, he continues to inspect the ink and, after a few seconds, the purple smears turn black. Interesting. Cam mumbles to himself. Is this just the ink? Or is its blood on me too? For comparison, Cam checks the torn ink sack. It's made of a thin, stretchy material, and it's about the size of a deflated football. This surprises Cam. It seems larger than the part of the tentacle that contained it. Reaching inside, Cam gently pokes the ink that is farthest away from the tear. When he withdraws his finger, he sees that it's already black, without any smears of purple. Cam angles the ink sack so that sunlight shines directly into it. As expected, the surface of the ink inside is black. 
With one finger, he scrabbles around inside, disrupting the top layer of ink. He looks again. Purple, and then black. It changes color almost instantly. What's the point of that? The question goes unanswered. Besides those items, Cam has the dozen small carrots, which could use a good wash, or at least a dusting, the meaty tentacle, which is a lot like Cam's arm except boneless, suction-cupped, and dead, and the rusty garden hoe, which, even with its four-foot handle, is lightweight and balanced enough to hold in one hand. For the first time, this strikes Cam as odd. Shouldn't a garden hoe be top-heavy? Maybe someone put more work into making this thing a weapon than I thought. Doing a quick 360, Cam scans around him. Nothing moves. Cam's feet are cold with moisture, and his socks and sneakers make noises when he shifts. There's almost no ink on his shoes, though, and he remembers that they were wet even before the fight. Coming up empty on the pocket knife, Cam looks at his number two option. The six-inch blade of the severed lead tentacle is made of a tough, lightweight material that could be chitin. About four inches of soft meat extend from the blade. The entire thing has been sprayed with ink, though most of it is concentrated on the lower half. Cam experiments with his weapons, switching the garden hoe into his left hand and gripping the bladed tentacle with his right. The chitin extends a few inches into the soft area, creating a grip and handle part that suits Cam's hand nicely. With the chitin blade only, Cam kneels beside the second corpse. He decides to use a meaty tentacle as a test case, getting a feel for its texture. It's more difficult than chopping with the garden hoe, but Cam isn't willing to forfeit the learning opportunity. After finishing the cut, Cam loops both of his meaty tentacles through his belt. Then he gently lifts the ink-filled tentacle with one hand and prepares his makeshift knife with the other. After feeling for the lump inside the tentacle, he brings his knife in close. Don't explode on me now. It doesn't. After some careful slices, Cam extracts his prize. Huh. So you're smaller when you're intact. He says to the dark sphere. It's about the size of his fist and it resists when Cam squeezes it, springy like a bouncy ball. Let's put you inside you, Cam says to the ink sack and the torn ink sack, respectively. After tying the kangaroo pouch around his belt, he rests the spare-bladed tentacle underneath his arm, clutches his other two weapons tightly, and takes a step toward the river. <laughs>